0: At roughly the same time the Roman Empire was basking in its golden age, across the Eurasian continent China under the Han Dynasty was experiencing much the same. It was an empire of 57 million people stretching from northern Vietnam to Korea. The capital of the dynasty, Chang'an, was, depending on who you ask, either at one point the most populous city in the world or was second to Rome. No wonder it was home to one of the most literate cultures of the ancient world, where works of poetry, history, mathematics, and literary criticism could be found in bookstores and libraries across the empire. Not too bad for an imperial dynasty founded by a peasant who hated hard work and started a revolt to save his own skin from the brutal legal system of the Han's predecessors, the Qin. The highly urban cosmopolitan culture of Han China was also one that celebrated romantic love between men in stories like that of the Passion of the Cut Sleeve, which was still remembered in China even many centuries after the Han Dynasty collapsed. But we should not go too far in imagining some kind of queer-friendly ancient China. Like most of the non-Western world, Chinese culture before the modern era never developed an outright hatred of same-sex desire the same way Christian Europe did. However, what Chinese culture did have was an intense pressure to marry and procreate that was baked into the traditional practice of ancestor worship and the state-promoted philosophy of Confucianism. It was alright for a man or a woman to have a sexual and even romantic relationship with a person of the same gender, as long as you were still married. Even so... If one did eschew heterosexual intercourse as much as possible, one might be seen as terribly eccentric, but definitely not a deviant who had to be burned alive. The fact that some emperors took male lovers was not seen as something to be condemned, but at most an anecdotal curiosity. In fact, a 3rd century CE historian Sima Chian wrote a series of biographies titled Emperor's Male Favorites, which was about, well... Yes, in his words, those who served the ruler and succeeded in delighting his ears and eyes, those who caught their lord's fancy and won his favor and intimacy, did so not only through the power of lust and love, each had certain abilities in which he excelled. Thus I made the biographies of the emperor's male favorites. The proverb says... No amount of toiling in the fields can compare to a spell of good weather, no amount of faithful service can compare to being liked by your superiors. This is no idle saying, yet it is not women alone who can use their looks to attract the eyes of the ruler. Courtiers and eunuchs can play that game as well. Many were the men of ancient times who gained favor this way. In Sima Qian's stories and those of other ancient historians, there are no stereotypes of effeminacy or corruption that one might find in European stories of kings and their male lovers. One example is Emperor Wu, who was famous for his skills as a general, hunter, and archer. In fact, the name he picked when he became emperor, his reign name, meant "marshal." The fact that he had a male lover, Hanyan, did nothing to detract from this reputation among historians. Hanyan himself was remembered as a talented archer and horse rider. The story of the Passion of the sleeves comes right from the Chronicle about one of these Imperial love stories. In 7 BCE, Emperor Ai succeeded to the Imperial throne after being appointed as heir by his childless uncle, Emperor Cheng, at the age of only 20. A few years after coming to the throne, he fell in love with a low-level bureaucrat, with a name that's rather unfortunate to modern English speakers, Dong Qian. Both men were married by then, but again, this was a necessity, not a contradiction. In fact, one historian Ban Gu, who lived less than a century after Emperor Ai wrote, By nature, Emperor Ai did not care for women. As the story of the cut sleeve went, Emperor A.I. was napping in the daytime with Dong Qian stretched out over his arm. When the Emperor woke and wanted to get up, Dong Qian was still asleep. So the Emperor cut his own sleeve so he could rise from the bed without having to disturb the soundly sleeping Dong Qian. Courtiers turned this into a fashion statement, calling it the cut sleeve or the chop sleeve. And while the fashion probably did not last that long, because fashion never does, the cut sleeve as an allegory for same-sex love lasted as late as the 19th century. Dong Qian and Emperor A.I.'s story didn't end there, unfortunately. Emperor A.I. started out as popular because he tamed the out-of-control spending on court luxuries that characterized his hated uncle's reign, but he quickly proved himself to be short-tempered and indecisive. Paralyzing attempts to reform a government that had been growing more ineffective and corrupt for decades. At the same time, he racked up titles and favors on Dong Qian. When the Prime Minister Wang Jia took a stand against Dong Qian's endless promotions, to say AI responded badly would be an understatement. He gave the green light for enemies of Wang Jia to bring false charges against him. Found guilty, Wang Jia was forced to commit suicide. With his one powerful and open critic out of the way, Ai did even more to look out for his lover's career, even making Dong Qian commander in chief of the Imperial Army. He was only 22 years old and had never been in a single battle. It's possible that Emperor Ai did this because he knew he wouldn't be around to take his lover's side for long. AI suffered from some kind of lifelong debilitating illness whose symptoms aren't even described, so he can't even speculate exactly what it was. Whatever it was, he was finally claimed by this mystery sickness in the year 1 BCE. Allegedly on his deathbed, he named Dong Qian his successor. This is exactly the sort of made-up criticism one might expect about an overzealous Imperial lover and his boyfriend, but given that A.I.'s political favors broke the bounds of all reason, it's not really outside the realm of possibility. In any case, if A.I. had hoped that he would spare Dong Qian from a life of obscurity and poverty, as actually did happen to Ding Tong, the lover of a much earlier Han Emperor Wen. His plan backfired horrifically. The Grand Dowager, Empress Fu, who had been the consort of A.I.'s grandfather, Emperor Yuan, quickly acted to take the Imperial Seal and strip Dongchian of all of his offices and titles. That night, probably suspecting worse was awaiting them or receiving orders from the new regime, Qian and his wife committed suicide. Apparently, there were very hard feelings between the Empress Dowager and Dongqian she had Dong Dongqian disinterred to make sure he was dead, and then reburied him on the grounds of a prison. Again, though, no ancient historian saw this as a cautionary tale against an emperor taking male lovers. Instead, in the end, despite the many bad decisions made by Emperor Ai and Dong Dongqian and the animosity of the Emperor's dowager, the memory of a cute little gesture of affection outshone the other, sordid story of corruption and untimely death.